Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're here at the venue of ASI 2018 in Orlando, Florida. Across from me is Jean Marie Smith. She's a doctor of naturopathy, and she's someone that should be familiar to you if you're a regular listener because we featured her on a previous segment from this very venue. Jean Marie, it's great to have you with us. Thank you very much. You have a fascinating story. I just met you. I I know you told me that maybe our paths crossed some years ago, but I, I don't remember that encounter. And we're getting acquainted now. You've been on a journey as first a nurse and then a health and wellness coach, now a doctor of naturopathy. And that's a fascinating story, I'm sure. In a nutshell, any take-home lessons for people that may be struggling with their own direction in life? I believe that um, God gives us the desires of our hearts. When I was a teenager, I was working at a restaurant, and one of the clientele fell on the floor and was having a seizure. And I felt so helpless. I couldn't help this poor woman. And so I thought, I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to learn how to help people that have health problems. I want to prevent their health problems as well as help them to not suffer if they do have health problems. So I I was very blessed that um, one of my parents' best friends was one of the um, vice presidents of the National League of Nursing. And so she encouraged me to go and get my college degree and my bachelor's of nursing, which I did. I was fortunate that that worked out. Um, my father's work had a scholarship program, and so that was uh, just an, a wonderful blessing. Then, after I became a nurse, I worked for several years. And I remember thinking how it seems like there must be a way to prevent so much of the illness that happens. Mm-hmm. I was a pediatric nurse as well as working with adults. Then I um, started reading the Bible, and I wondered, where was the Jesus who healed all the time? Because I didn't see it very much. I saw so many sick people, and I wondered, um, what was the answer? Providentially, I met a husband and a wife team who were physicians, and they had left standard medical practice and went into preventative medicine. Okay. I took a leave of absence from my job, and I mentored under them. And then after that, I became a full-time health educator. Wow. And I did that for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, nationally, I did it here in the United States, but I also traveled, and I taught health seminars internationally. My career in that ended, though, with international travel when I was um, overseas and contracted an illness um, that the doctors over here could not identify or treat. Wow. And... Um, what happened, though, is that um, I went back to those same doctors that mentored me, and they gave me, they tailored a protocol for me to boost my immune system through water therapy, hmm. through um, natural herbal pharmaceuticals, and um, helped me tweak my lifestyle to make it even healthier than it really already was. And I went into remission and went back into full-time health education. Then one day I was praying in my living room, and I said, by the way, God, what did you want me to be when I grew up? And he said, a doctor. I said, really? And so I thought, what should I do now? And as clear as anything, the thought came to me, take online classes, become a naturopathic doctor. So I got basically a a PhD-style degree in naturopathy and learned even more about educating others in their health and how a foundation of health makes all the difference in our lives, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Wow. It's been quite a journey. 
And you're now not only a naturopathic doctor and a health educator, but you're an author. So I'm looking at actually a promotional piece for a book that's available at Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. You can get it directly from the publisher. The book is actually, it's a fascinating title. Uh, I know some people might think this sounds a little bit strange, but believe it or not, I actually was just asking some questions about this very topic of myself. And the topic of your book is the healthy clothes closet, healthy clothes, 10 principles for a woman's wardrobe. Now, my first question that I asked you off air before we started recording was, is this just a metaphorical book? But you said, no, you're talking about real clothes. That's right, because there are, there are different reasons to uh, stock our closet with clothing. One is we want to look nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to keep warm when it's cold. We want to hide our flaws if we have figure flaws. We want to be able to express our individuality. We may have an artistic bent. But also, our clothing can dramatically affect our health, our physical health. Mm. Clothing can affect our circulation, our temperature control, our protection from the weather or sunlight. Our clothing can affect the integrity or the healthfulness of our internal organs. Clothing can make a big difference if we have health problems or if we want to prevent health problems. So you've really got my interest. I'm in the process of finishing up a new book. It's called The Methuselah Factor. So we're speaking about healthy circulation. And that's actually why I was was looking at clothing. I'm saying, well, what are the different things that uh, in a preventive medicine perspective or, or vantage point affect circulation? And I was starting to look at some things that deal with clothing. So help me out because, you know, and we can, uh, we can give you credit. We can even mention your book if you point me in the right direction. So what do you think? How, what can I tell someone that could help their circulation by their clothing? The way our body is designed is that we are temperaturally controlled (laughs) and that when we wear certain clothing and then we're exposed to temperature changes, it actually changes the way our circulation is flowing, the way our blood is flowing. Mm -hmm. For example, if you're wearing a sleeveless shirt, maybe a, a tank top, and you leave the, you go into a cold room mm-hmm. that's drastically uh, lower in temperature than your skin temperature or your internal temperature, your body, in order to protect it, will start to shunt blood, more blood to retain, be retained into the core of your body, mm-hmm. into your trunk, and less blood will flow down your arms and into your hands and fingers because your body is designed to protect your internal temperature of your blood at all costs, because your vital organs, particularly your brain and your heart, need to be temperature protected from extremes in heat or extremes in cold, or it will affect the function of these extremely life-dependent life organs. So that if we allow our, temperature, our skin to be exposed to uh, extremes in temperature without adequate clothing, it will either cause internal problems over an extended period of time, or it can exacerbate or meaning bring on health issues if you already have that vulnerability. 
Now, of course, that's an association that was in my mind going into this, but I'm saying, is anyone studying this? Is there actually research that looks at this? Did you find any actually scientific studies that look at the impact of temperature change in clothing? Yes, yes, and there, there's, some, there's some documentation in my book. Um, actually, <laughs> the funny thing is that there are students who go to college and they read an anatomy and physiology textbook, but if they're not looking at temperature control mechanisms and applying it to their clothing, they may buzz on by and read it, pass their test, and never think about how it affects their clothing. Really? So this is interesting. So if I get this book, and it's called The Healthy Clothes Closet, I'm going to find scientific references in there that are going to help me as I'm trying to point people in the direction of better clothing as far as healthy circulation. And I can get it on Kindle as well, is it, or is it just a, a physical book? I believe right now it's just a physical book at this point. Okay. Well, this is interesting. So what? this is especially for women, and you've told us about this scenario of going from maybe a hot environment. We're here in Florida right now. It's in the middle of the summer. It is warm, and you go outside. You've got very little on because you're not wanting to overheat. What about going the other direction? What if you're overclothed? What if I'm, you know, I'm actually wearing a jacket here in this air-conditioned auditorium or, or really exhibit hall, and I walk outside into the heat? What kind of problems might I have there? Well, uh, it depends. When we, when our temperature, when the external temperature is much higher than what our body needs, mm -hmm. that's why we do have perspiration issues. Okay, okay. And so there is an automatic temperature control mechanism where we will break out into a sweat. Now, the interesting thing is that if we start to break out a sweat and we immediately pull off a bunch of layers, and if the skin, the, 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 the moisture on the skin evaporates more quickly than the body can use the water on the surface to cool down the temperature, then what will happen is that we will start to internally overheat because the, if we take away the body's ability to cool down from the sweat pulling out moisture into the water and then evaporate, but if it's evaporated into the environment instead because of a very hot day and you're not providing some shade there, then what happens is you can get issues of overheating mm -hmm. where the body is, bring, again, bringing blood internally to protect it. But unfortunately, there are issues like heat stroke right, right. And, and other challenges from overheating. So all this is covered in your book? Yes, I refer to these issues and I explain how to avoid these problems by evaluating our clothes closet to make sure we have the clothing we need for different seasons of the year. Mm-hmm. So how big is this ultraviolet uh, issue? Is it really important that your clothing protects you from ultraviolet, or is this just a sales gimmick for clothes? Well, it, it, it can. It does help. Now, it depends on the fibers. So I, I discuss in my book, I, have, I, I quote a lot of different authors. These are not all my new ideas. These are different authors that I've quoted about the importance of providing the right fibers to provide the right shade. Because, as, as we well know, there are times when the weaves are, are very well opened and the mm -hmm. fabric is very thin and there can be penetration of UV rays. But there are other fabrics that would be too dense and too thick to, ca to cause us to overheat. So it has to be the right choices, a realistic common sense choice. Okay. Well, I am fascinated. I have not seen a medical book on anything like the healthy clothes closet, 10 principles for a woman's wardrobe. And uh, Jean Marie Smith, naturopathic doctor. And I can go to Amazon and get that book. Yes, you can. Very good. Well, I, it is definitely on my list. 
I know you've got more in the works than just this book. Do you, have you got some other books out, or are you just working on some other titles? I'm in the process of actually, uh, it's in the editorial process of a, a second book, which is also on women's clothing, but this book is on women's clothing for spiritual, emotional, and physical health. And one cha- one large chapter is on physical health uh-huh. but, and physical clothing, but there are other chapters that are referring to our uh, metaphors of spiritual clothing and how these spirit, this metaphorically spiritual clothing affects us emotionally and spiritually. And as you well know, we are wired from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet. And so whatever does affect us emotionally and physically and spiritually, I mean, excuse me, whatever affects us emotionally and spiritually will also affect us physically. So I've gathered that this new book on the, well, on the way to be published is a carefully guarded secret as far as its title. Is that true? <laughs> it's in the editorial process. So when it, it is finalized, I will let you know. That's good. Well, I know how that works. So sometimes, you know, people are tossing back different ideas for a title, and uh, but we will look forward to that as well. Now, you've got a third book that's kind of in the creative stages. It's in the process it's, of being written. It's a topic that you've been interested in for some time. And tell us about that. Yes, this book is, is referring to the healthy amygdala. And in this third book that I'm in the process of writing now is about our brain not dealing with the physical brain as as much as how the physical brain affects us and who we are emotionally, spiritually, and yes, physically. The amygdala is an area of our brain that stores memories and emotions, especially pain and trauma. And so a lot of what I do as a biblical life coach and as a naturopathic doctor, is I help individuals who have been through physical trauma, emotional trauma, and they want to know, how do I get rid of the pain? How do I heal from post-traumatic stress that not only is causing me emotional pain, but it's also affecting my physical health? Now, you've got my interest here because this is such a huge issue today. And, of course, it's a, it's a big issue in Indian country and discussions of post-traumatic uh, stress disorder come up not only when it comes to individual stress, but we hear discussions of historical trauma and how that impacts people. So you definitely have my interest as well as my audience's interest. The amygdala, though, a lot of people say, tell me that again. <laughs> tell us a little bit more about uh, what the amygdala is in just about 30 seconds. The Actually, amygdala is Latin for almond. And so there are two areas of our brain that are similar to the shape of an almond. And this is a, these are nerves that store memories and emotions. Okay. We want to talk more about a healthy amygdala, this so-called uh, key component of the limbic system, the emotional brain. We're going to talk about some things that can help you as far as your own healing journey. You want to stay tuned because that's coming up in our next segment of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We'll be right back up after this. Don't go away. More on today's edition of American Indian Living. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it. 
but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose here in Orlando, Florida. ASI 2018 is the setting for our virtual studio right here in an exhibit hall in Orlando. Across from me, staying by for our second segment is Jean Marie Smith. Jean Marie is a naturopathic doctor, an ND. She's an author. We talked a little bit about her first book, The Healthy Clothes Closet. She's got another book coming out that builds on that theme. And now we're talking about another interest of hers, which uh, promises to be another book dealing with the healthy amygdala. We've been talking about this region of the brain that's involved in emotions. You know, Jean Marie, one of the things that has always uh, struck me is when I remember learning about the amygdala and the limbic system, they explained some of these unusual connections that we wouldn't necessarily think are part of the brain wiring, such as how olfaction or smell seems to feed into this. And so that when we smell things or maybe taste certain things and there's emotions associated with it, certain smells can bring back memories. Um, how much do we really know about the interconnections of the brain and the things that feed into the amygdala? I, I believe that as scientists and as health professionals, we're learning more and more all the time, not only about how our own personal uh, experiences uh, are stored in our minds and how they come out later in memories mm-hmm. or emotions or even reactions, what we call those knee-jerk reactions, but we're also learning about generational issues. Okay. We're learning about how that there are emotions, for example, that a mother 
goes through thoughts and feelings that she has during pregnancy uh-huh. and how these are passed on then to her developing baby uh-huh. and how these children then have these thoughts and feelings in their subconscious that are stored in their brain cells as well and their neurons. And then we also know through science more and more with epigenetics that there are actually generational upon generational issues where there are thoughts and feelings, beliefs and understanding that are passed on generation after generation. Hmm. So you're saying when people in Indian country talk about historical trauma, we're not just talking about some kind of sense there might be in a community or a, a tribal identity that maybe there was conflict in the past, but you're saying we actually have evidence that there are changes in the brain that actually took place in our elders, our grandparents that are transmitted to the children? Yes, yes. It's amazing how the the DNA <laughs> transports so much information, more than we ever understood before. We thought it was just giving us blue or brown eyes. And mm-hmm. we thought it was just that we were going to be taller, we we're going to be not quite so tall. But it's so much more than that. It's memories, it's understanding, it's belief, it's emotions. It transcends more more than we ever thought before in terms of how how it makes us who we are by who we were, our past forefathers. Wow. So here's the big question. And of course, you know, if you're writing a book on the healthy amygdala, it wouldn't be too helpful to say, choose your grandparents better, right? I don't know anyone that succeeded in that so far. Okay. So what we're saying is there's got to be something that we can do today, no matter what kind of genetic and environmental history our elders and ancestors had, there's something we can do today to help our emotional brains work better. Do you kind of break that down in, in, in a type of sequence? Do you have a construct to help us understand that? I believe in holistic approaches. Mm-hmm. I believe that we have to do it from a physical, emotional, and spiritual standpoint. Okay. Because that's how we are. We are physical, emotional, and spiritual beings. I believe that we have to look at our physical health because our brain is an organ, just like our heart or our Mm -hmm. lungs or our intestines. And so we have to take care of our physical body. We have to learn how to take care of our physical health so that we have a healthy brain. We also have to look at our emotional health. We have to look at, evaluate our thoughts and our feelings and how are we, what are we allowing in our brains? What are we concentrating on? We also have to look at our spiritual health and that is, do we have a connection with our higher power? that can help us when we have hurts and pain that transcend generations, and yet we don't know how to get rid of them. Mm. In my practice as a naturopath, I tell my clients, in order to have health, in order to have whole body health, we have to take care of our body physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that includes the amygdala. And Mm. I think this is a very neglected part of the body in terms Mm. of health, because For example, I have clientele that have been through traumatic family experiences. They have, sometimes they have anger and bitterness to their parents or or other people. Sometimes they have a lot of guilt. Sometimes they have so much sadness that it's overwhelming them. Mm. And many times I have clients say to me, what can I do, Dr. Jean Marie, with all the pain in my heart? And so what I do is I teach them how, step by step, to work it through, to find out What is the pain? Where is it coming from? What are the roots? Not only your roots, but what are the generational roots? And then I believe that through prayer to God, that we can give them to him and he can give us a new mind, a new heart through his recreative power. 
Well, this is a fascinating topic, and whether people immediately resonate with calling on God or whether they're talking about a creator uh, throughout Indian country, I think you know this message of spirituality, physical, emotional, social, which is you know part of the equation, is is definitely resonating. Tell us a story of maybe someone who you helped to get on that healing path, what they did and how they were, were improved. Actually, the way I got involved in this is that at the time, um, I was working as a health educator. I was not involved with the healthy amygdala. I had a phone call from a friend of mine. She was crying, and she said, I've just been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. Mm. Now, she has a husband who truly cannot boil water, and she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to survive. I'm so sick. I can't take care of myself. And I prayed about it, and I felt that I was to be her caretaker. Hmm. I was working on my second book at the time. Okay. And so I asked my dear husband if he'd be willing to part from me because she lived in another state. Wow. So I actually would go there, and I would take care for two to three weeks, and i go home for a week, clean the house, cook for my husband, and go back again. And so I did this for several months. Now, this woman had a very healthy lifestyle physically. Mm-hmm. In fact, her coworker said, if she's got cancer, there's no hope for the rest of us. Wow. Because how could she contract cancer when she lived such a healthy life? She exercised. She ate all the right things. She drank her water. She got her rest. But in talking with her, it was anger and pain and unforgiveness and working through a lot of heart issues. Mm. And she believed that these were the, the emotional and spiritual roots that caused her immune system to be vulnerable huh. to cancer. Okay. So she went on an amygdala healing program mm-hmm. by learning how to pray through the roots of her pain, work it through, surrender it to God. And, and she not only worked through that pain and became peaceful in her spirit, but she is now cancer-free, and she just finished her Ph.D. in Christian counseling, and you'd never know that she really? was on stage 4 cancer. And how long ago was that? Uh, two years ago now. Uh-huh. Now, did they think from a, a worldly oncology standpoint, just a secular perspective, did they think that this woman had hope with what they were doing conventionally? They, the, the oncologist did believe that she had hope. Mm-hmm. He believed that she did have hope. But um, he was pleasantly surprised when it Wonderful. Wonderful. So basically, what you're saying, Jean-Marie, is that we may be looking at physical illness, and part of the roots of that physical illness are an emotional wound or scars that are perpetuating disease. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have other colleagues that have told me about clientele with arthritis, with heart disease, with in, uh, eating disorders or intestinal, I should say intestinal disorders, gastrointestinal disorders, who also have taught their clients how to work through the roots of their pain, how to work through those internalized hurts and uh, and be free. I recently was actually sharing this at a church, mm-hmm. and one of the men in the church came up afterwards and he said to me, This is what all we Vietnam veterans need to hear Mm. because we have physical issues, but we have a lot of emotional issues. Mm -hmm. And he said, this is the key for complete wholeness. Wow. Really, I I wish we could explore this topic in detail, but I know part of it is going to have to wait until the whole book comes out, right? But having said that, we're talking about working through emotional pain. Is part of it, Jean-Marie, is part of it coming to accept things, or is that really often not the message at all? 
I have found that we can't change our hearts mm-hmm. and we can't change our brains. And we're wired for storage in our brains of our previous experiences, mm-hmm. generationally as well as experientially. And so what happens is that we can, many times people will numb out the pain mm-hmm. with alcohol, with other drugs, working a lot, exercising a lot, whatever way to numb out the pain. Or there are times when you can, you maybe intellectually accept it, but it is still stored in your memory banks. Mm. So you're saying, from your perspective, it almost takes some kind of divine or spiritual intervention. Am I hearing you right? That's been my experience with my Uh practice. That's been my personal experience as well. Okay. Well, this is very interesting stuff. Jean-Marie, we do have to step away from this segment. But before we do, I know some can't stay with us for the whole show. Tell us again about the book that you've got out there, just so they have a point of reference. The Healthy Clothes Closet is 10 Principles for a woman war- Woman's Wardrobe. In that, you can purchase it, order it off of Amazon or Barnes & Noble online or at the store. And this will help you with your clothing choices for physical health, not just, not just your fashion sense. Okay, very good. Jean Marie is a naturopathic doctor. You can learn more about her through her book and her work. I'm Dr. David DeRose. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. Don't go away. Stay tuned. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more.
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose, I've got another great guest sitting across from me in our virtual studio here at the Exhibit Hall in Orlando, Florida. It's Stephen Carlisle. Stephen is the coordinator, creator, director of something called Bible Study Connect. Stephen, I have been hearing at this conference about people from Australia, India, Africa interested in this program. Why is there all this buzz about Bible Study Connect? Well, as far as I know, we are the only organization that is providing Bible studies online that is actually connected to people, people to people. So it's not just downloading studies and filling them out, but we're actually creating relationships with it as well. Now, this is really interesting. Now, a lot of people, they listen to the show, and ASI is a venue where we have a lot of people who have a Christian perspective on ministry, but a lot of them are doing things in Indian country and beyond. You yourself are tribally enrolled, right? That's correct. Is it Cherokee? Is Cherokee, that right? yes. So you've got deep roots in Indian country. You're sensitive to some of the the, the tensions that come about when we start talking about the Bible mm-hmm. in uh, in native communities. Was that something that was a, a, a tense subject in some of your context there in Oklahoma? Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, the the big thing that I look at is is not everybody's open to just raise their hand and say, yeah, I want to study that. Uh-huh. But when it's online and it's in your home and you're kind of curious, it's, mm-hmm. it kind of just opens that, that venue that you normally wouldn't get face-to-face. Now, the dialogue that I've heard play out a lot over the last decade or so is as our cultures, American majority culture, if you will, has kind of moved away from a biblical worldview, a lot of people in secular settings are saying, you know, we really need to reconnect with the Bible just On a secular basis, there's so much in culture, so many illustrations, so many things. We talk about the handwriting on the wall or as strong as Samson or, you know, we mentioned taking up your cross. So some of these expressions that are in our language that really have these biblical roots. And so people at uh, secular universities are saying we need something for cultural literacy to teach people about the Bible. Do you think that case flies with someone who might be an adherent of maybe a, a traditional Native American spirituality? And to them, anything Christian sounds, you know, fairly colonial and brings back memories of uh, historical trauma. What do, you, what do you think about that? I think that biblically, I I'd look and see, when I look at Native American culture and I see biblical principles, a lot of them line up. A lot of them really do coincide together, and even though they may not have the names that we would we would think about, uh, there's principles in business that come mm-hmm. from biblical perspectives. There's mm-hmm. uh, communication. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, of course, health. Uh, there's so many areas that we live day to day and not even recognize that they're from a biblical perspective. Mm-hmm. And if a lot of times when we get introduced to that, we go, oh, I didn't know that that was coming from scripture uh-huh. and so it's uh you know if if the christianity side of things is making if that's a hindrance or a, or a block right there well let's just back up a little bit 
and and just look at the Bible and and see these biblical principles from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And I think that we would really see that a lot of the things that we do in this world, secular, wherever, has a Bible-based principle behind it. Yeah, I, I love this perspective. And, and so for those of you listening throughout Indian country, you're saying, you know, Dr. DeRose, some of these shows you've been talking a lot about things and talking with people who have this biblical worldview. Uh, I think, Steve, you're putting it very aptly, you know, for someone who's got deep roots in Indian country saying, hey, you know, let's just step back. Let's look at some of this stuff and say, hey, can this help me in my personal journey? And that's really what I'm getting Bible Study Connects about. You're trying to say, here's someone who can walk alongside you and show you what might be practical in some of the questions you're dealing with. Am I picking up on that correctly? Yeah, you know, someone that's maybe even just remotely curious about what the Bible says. You know, you mentioned some uh, things like the writing on the wall, for example, or Samson, strong as Mm -hmm. Samson. You know, when you, if you're curious about that, this is a really kind of a low risk way of diving into that, you know, just kind of getting your feet wet a little bit instead of maybe having someone come into your house and Mm -hmm. want to talk to your ear off or whatever. This is just a, a very simple way to just kind of look at it from a different perspective and take some time and study it out for yourself. But if you had questions, we're right there to answer questions as well. So you don't have to do it alone. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, you you get attention when you want it and you don't when you don't. Okay, so help me out. Let's say I'm such a person. I'm biblically illiterate. I, I've heard about the Bible and I heard about this guy called Samson. Now I know, I'm going to add this other piece to the the puzzle. I know about Bible Study Connect. First of all, how do I even access the service? Uh, the first place that you could go is letstudythebible.com. Okay, let's study the Bible. So I'm writing this down. L-E-T-S, uh-huh. let's. And then S-T-U-D-Y. Study yep. the Bible uh-huh. dot com. Yep. Okay, so let's say I can, I'm not doing it here because we're in a virtual studio. I've got the computer occupied recording our program. I don't want to interrupt that in any way. I put in letstudythebible.com. What's going to pop up? Just a, a short registration form. All we need is a name and email, and that's that's pretty much it. Uh, you create a password because you'll have your own little account there, uh, and it will take you right in. You'll confirm your email address, and you're starting lesson one. So lesson one, I want to know about Samson. Does it give me that opportunity, or does it walk me through a, a process? It, it'll walk you through a process. It's gonna, we're going to start with just the foundation of the Bible. Where did the Bible come from? Oh, okay. Who wrote it how, You know, over the course of time? Is it something that we can even trust? And okay. I think that's a, a very basic thing. Why in the world would I, would I start believing everything in this book mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. I don't really think that it's it is sacred or if it comes from our creator if it's just a book that's written by man and it's full of stories or whatever these first lessons will actually help you see how the book was written and actually show various parts of history Mm -hmm. along with what the bible had to say and you could see at least i did i could see for myself that wow this book is legit. It's real. It's something that I can look at. So we're going to start at the foundation and then go okay. from there. So really, this is kind of a biblical literacy 
course, if you will, kind of an online course? Yeah, I would say so. So now you mentioned this element of connect, that you're connecting with real people. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, if you ever had a question about something, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. after every single question in the lessons, there's a little box that says question, and you click on that. Mm -hmm. And if you were to type in a question, it would go to a person. In uh, real time? in, In real time. And so we, we get that question, we take a look at it, and we do our best to, to answer those questions or point you to a place to, to find the, the answer to that question. So basically, I say, uh, okay, I want to know about Samson. I go through this first lesson. I go through a number of questions. Uh, I'm assuming it's kind of drawing out some different points mm-hmm. about the Bible, how it was developed. And I say, okay, well, that was all really interesting, but... What about Samson? Who was he? Can I put that in? Absolutely. And then what's going to happen? Just while I'm sitting there, you're going to respond or you're going to send me an email back? So it's it's kind of like an email that's built into the Bible Study Connect. Oh, okay. And so you you fill out that question. It gets sent to us. And so I I look at it and say, oh, he wants to know the story of Samson. So I'm going to take my Bible and I'm going to look up in Judges Uh the the exact verses and, and chapters uh-huh. Uh, to make sure that I point them in the right direction. Uh-huh. And uh, maybe I'll find a link online that, that there's a video or something that they could learn more about it. Oh, okay. And I can just send that right back to them, and they would receive that message, and they open it up just like they would check their email, mm-hmm. and the answer will be there from us. So this is not connecting with, like, a worldwide community. When I'm connecting, I'm connecting with you and your team. That's correct. So you're hearing right now the voice of Stephen Carlyle. He's the creator of this Bible study connect. And really, I'm going to end up interacting with you or anyone in this circle of teachers. Or what do you what do you call those who work with you? I call them Bible coaches. Okay, Bible coaches. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So you got a team of Bible coaches. I'm going to be connecting with you, and you're going to help me when I come to a roadblock. If I think something doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. I can ask that. That's right. If I think you're off base, I could tell you that. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. So how long have you had this up and running? We've had it for two years. Two years. And what kind of feedback are you getting? We have a, just a, such a wide demographic mm-hmm. that really enjoy this, whether they're previous Christians, you know, mm-hmm. people that have been established in the faith for a long time, or those that are studying for the very first time. Hmm. And so just in Oklahoma, which mm-hmm. is where I'm from, uh, we have well over 100 people that are just taking the study at their own okay, pace, their okay. own time, and, you know, take it, taking the time to answer questions and mm-hmm. forming those relationships. So th- that's what we're seeing across the state right now. Now, I've heard of other people offering courses, Bible, online Bible study course, this, that. Um, why is there this appeal from around the world is it really they feel that it does have a personal connection is that what you're you're hearing that is missed in some of these others that's the number one thing that sets us apart uh-huh. is that let's say africa mm-hmm. jumps on board and they they want to utilize it they have their own database that they get to reach out to their group of people the people that are asking or requesting studies or choose to study mm-hmm. well they're tied into people in india and they get to work with the people in India. So the people that are signing up in India, they're not going to be under my team. Oh, I They'll hear have you. their own. So Africa, if I'm in Kenya, I'm likely to be working with a, a coach in Kenya? That's correct. Oh, if I'm in India or 
Australia, I'm going to be working with someone who's local in my area. That's correct. So you're developing these networks? Is That's that correct. how it works? Yes. I got it. Okay, because I'm thinking, boy, you know, if you got all this interest from all over the world, I mean, how are you going to handle all this? Yeah, see, that's – we have, at least in our faith, mm-hmm. uh, we have big powerhouses that do stuff like this. But they, they tend to keep all of the – I mean, there could be somebody in Europe that's studying and they're actually located out in California. Mm-hmm. And there's such a huge difference in culture mm-hmm. that there would be really hard to connect. So the whole purpose of Bible Study Connect – is to allow it to be a personal approach. Okay. Well, this is really interesting. So basically, uh, you come from Native American roots. Have you gotten any feedback from Indian country? Are people saying, you know, when I respond, it's great that you're Cherokee, but I'm Native Alaskan. Are you trying to individualize it that much, or at this point, have you not had that huge a demand from different tribes? Uh, I would say that it's it's a fairly new into the tribes mm-hmm. um and so i would we just haven't had that demand quite yet mm-hmm. and so i'd be very curious to see what happens with it great so again how do we access the program let's study the bible.com let's study the bible.com take steve up on his uh, work even though he goes by steven i got a brother steve so i got to be careful <laughs> when i'm around him steven carlisle he's the creator of bible study connect check it out Let's study the Bible.com. We're going to step away. More coming up on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1 800 775 HOPE. That's 1 800 775 4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. 
I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are still here in the exhibit hall at the Orlando, Florida, ASI 2018. And if you can't tell from our previous segment to this one, things have ramped up in this uh, in this venue, really. So a lot more ambient noise. But we've also got another guest sitting across from me. His name is Lauren Fish. Lauren is working in Holbrook, Arizona as a clinical counselor. Lauren, it's great to have you with us. Thank you, Dr. Duros. Glad to be here. And you've got a, a very special shirt on. It says Holbrook Indian School. We've featured the school on previous uh, segments of American Indian Living, but I keep hearing good things about Holbrook. Tell us a little bit about the school. We're a 1st through 12th grade boarding school uh, just south of the Navajo Reservation in Holbrook, Arizona. Um, we, uh, average about, we average about uh, 70 students throughout the year. Uh, we registered about 110 last year, but uh, they kind of come and go. And um, our our goal is to encourage students to um, want to uh, get a good education, to want to go back to their communities, and to uh, better their communities, to um, help break some of the cycles that maybe they experienced uh, when they were growing up. This is a tremendous, uh, tremendous message in a tremendous school. And I think one of the challenges, and we've talked about this before, when we speak about boarding schools in Indian country, I mean, there's a lot of baggage there, a lot of really negative things happen in boarding schools. Is that still a, a challenge to communicate that this is a, a different kind of a boarding school? I was just speaking to someone about this the other day. It's amazing that any parents from the, any of the tribes would bring their students to a boarding school with all the negative uh, connotation that boarding schools have. But uh, Holbrook Indian School has been open for over 70 years. It wow. was started in 1946, and we still have uh, alumni coming back to the school and saying what a great experience they had there. And so it's mostly by word of mouth that people on the Navajo Reservation, on the Apache Reservation, on the Hopi Reservation, the Havasupai Reservation, the Pima Reservation, they're all telling their cousins, their nieces, their grandchildren, hey, if you're looking for a good place to go to school, this might be it. Tremendous. And so basically, you've always had the, the value, as I understand it, of honoring the Native traditions, the tribal background of students. You haven't for, forbade them to speak their, their language or anything like that, least. right? Not in the least. In fact, um, something we've been doing the last couple of years, our vice principal, uh, Giovanna Porbear Adams, she's actually from the Lakota Iglala Sioux uh, tribe, uh, Pine Ridge Reservation was her reservation, which is um, one of the worst um, in the country. But she uh, has started a, a tradition there at Holbrook Indian School where we are having uh, traditional dance. And so we'll have the different uh, um, tribes come in uh, dressed in their native uh, 
um, regalia. And um, it, it's been a really neat experience for the students, for the parents. It, it brings the parents in. They're very proud of what their students are doing. Some of the older students are helping to mentor the younger students. It's been a real positive experience all around. So let's, uh, let's paint this picture. Someone's listening today. They're hearing of Holbrook for the first time. Why would someone consider sending a child or a grandchild to the school? Well, I think it goes back to some of the feedback that we've gotten in the past. Um, when I ask a lot of the students what they like about Holbrook, they tell me that they feel safe. Mm. And so to me, that that is a message that it's a safe place for them to learn. It's a safe place for them to express themselves. It's a safe place for them to learn about their cultural heritage. And um, we try to do that in several ways. One of the new uh, initiatives that we are putting out there is sort of building on some of the things that we have been doing in the past. It's an acronym called MAPS. And we're MAPS, MAPS M-A-P-S. We're mm-hmm. helping them find their way but, but it, uh, with MAPS. But it's mental wholeness, academic and artistic wholeness, physical wholeness, and spiritual wholeness. And so we feel like that if we can help them to learn and grow and be balanced in all of those areas, then they're going to be able to go out into society and to contribute. What I love about the A is, you know, many schools talk about the academics, but when you use the A, you're not only talking academics, you're talking artistic. This is really core in Indian country, isn't it? It's, it's huge, and um, a, a lot of students come there, and, and they, um, they, they lack value in who they are, but then we introduce them to maybe um, native pottery, and, and, and all of a sudden these students who had very little uh, worth or self-worth, they're all of a sudden creating these beautiful pieces, uh-huh. uh, and, and people are complimenting them on them, and they're not sure what to do with all that because they haven't experienced that type of thing before. But we feel like it's a great way for them to then build on that, and then they can take that into the classroom, and they can take that into the gymnasium, and they can take that into the workplace. Now, with your background as a counselor, I know one of the questions that always comes up is, you know, what are the issues that students are dealing with? What kind of challenges are they are they having and how does having someone like you on the staff make a difference in the school how do you respond to something like that i think it's the same issues that you have in in whenever there's poverty anywhere you know you have uh, abuse you have neglect you have domestic violence you have um, a substance abuse so it's those same issues that you'd find uh, in the inner city, but this happens uh, a lot of times to be in a very rural area uh, where there's very little infrastructure. Um, uh, a lot of times there's uh, um, um, lack of uh, infrastructure in regards to electricity or running water, mm-hmm. uh, lack of infrastructure in regards to uh, roads. And so this is happening in a very isolated way, uh, but it's similar. And at Holbrook Indian School, uh, it's not just myself. We also have a female counselor. Um, we ha- are working on uh, funding uh, to add also uh, someone who specializes in substance abuse and addictions. Uh-huh. And so um, we want to do as much as we can for these students and their families to help get them on track uh, to a better life. That is such a tremendous message, uh, Lauren. And, you know, for folks who have never heard of your program before. Tell us a little bit about how someone can actually, well, 
um, you know, attend uh, uh, the school? How, how would someone get a hold of, of you or someone else and be a part? Uh, our website's a very good place to start. It's HolbrookIndianSchool.org. And there's some uh, amazing stories on there about some of the students that went to our school. There's some uh, information. There's registration forms. Um, actually, uh, registration is happening um, not too long from now, so I encourage you to do that. You can also uh, call uh, the school's uh, main number, and that is 928-524-7000. Okay, let me see if I'm getting this all. So first of all, HolbrookIndianSchool.org. O-R-G. Dot yes. O-R-G. So it's not an E-D-U, it's a dot O-R-G. Correct. HolbrookIndianSchool.org. And then the area code is 928 for the phone number? Correct. And then what have we got after that? 524. 524. Uh-huh. 6845. 6845. So one more time, 928-524-6845? Correct. Okay, HolbrookIndianSchool.org. So with that phone number and that website, I could just go online and really learn about the school. Are there videos of actual students telling their yeah, stories? Yeah, there's a lot of good information. There's some uh, good articles on there. Um, it uh, lists the staff. It talks about um, uh, the mission of the school, uh, what they what they hope to accomplish. It talks about the four pillars of uh, that, that we just mentioned with the with the maps uh, program. So um, you can learn a lot just by going on the website. And most everybody these days knows how to get around the internet, especially the students at the school. So. Okay, so if you're tuning in and uh, you're looking for another option, maybe you're uh, in a school system that uh, is not supportive of Native values. Maybe you're in an urban setting. Uh, you're saying, hey, I'd like to get someplace that, that honors Native traditions, that, that gives uh, my student, my child, my grandchild some uh, solid experience, education, training in, in Native uh, crafts and arts. Holbrook uh, should be on the radar screen. You know, our time is, is rapidly slipping away from us, Lauren, but any final messages if someone is, is saying, well, do I even take the time to check out the website what would be your appeal for someone who's who's just thinking about it we do have great academics and art program uh, but we also have a lot of uh, what um, you might refer to as practical arts um, mm. industrial arts we have an uh, excellent horse program we wow. have an agricultural program where excellent. we focus on um, what was traditionally grown we have um uh, excellent um, cross-country program. Running is a big part of what we do. So we try to keep the students very active there. Okay. Well, great messages. Lauren, thanks so much for carving time out of your busy schedule in this busy venue. Again, one last time, how does someone uh, get a hold of you guys? HolbrookIndianSchool.org. Okay. Lauren Fish with Holbrook Indian School. That winds it up for today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose, as always, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.